In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and before we get started, I want to let you know that KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, is at the tail end of its spring fund drive. 85% of our funding comes from the community, so if you like this podcast and you appreciate community-supported public radio, then please become a member of KUTX. All you have to do is go to KUTX.org today. Okay, so usually on this podcast, when we talk about artists, we mean musicians. But this is a special episode, and this episode of this song we'll be hearing from Vicki Howell, who is an artist of another kind. She's a knitter and a designer and a broadcaster and, full disclosure, a friend of mine. I've known her since my early days in Austin. She was a member of the Austin Craft Mafia, a group of crafty women who all had craft-based businesses and decided that if they joined forces, they could support each other's efforts more effectively. And... As someone who is not at all crafty, I totally admired their efforts from afar. Recently, we've connected as friends and moms, which really pleases my inner 25-year-old self since I was such a fan back then. Vicki Howell, she's a force of nature. She was the host of the DIY and HGTV series Nitty Gritty and PBS's Knitting Daily with Vicki Howell. And she's written like a ton of books and she has online courses and she even produces and hosts her own podcast called Craft-ish, which I've been on, where she talks to all kinds of creative folks about their work and their process and their creative lives. It's a fabulous podcast, by the way. You should totally subscribe. But like... Vicki Howell does a lot, and now she's got this new endeavor that she's starting. It's called The Knit Show with Vicki Howell. She wants to create the first studio-quality, community-funded, and internationally accessible episodic how-to knitting and crochet series. And she's in the midst of a Kickstarter campaign to fund the show. And yes, I will have a link to that in the show notes. Now, Vicky may not be a musician, but she does draw inspiration from music and music makers, as you're about to hear. So here she is, Vicki Howell. I think maybe everybody feels this way, but I feel like I came up during a coming-of-age time that was pretty much the best. I, I'm sure there's people a generation older than me that would fight me tooth and nail for that. But I grew up in Southern California. I was a teenager in the late 80s, early 90s. So my very first concert was Depeche Mode, Music for the Masses, the actual show at the Pasadena Rose Bowl that they recorded for the live one. Oh, that's right. When Blasphemous Rumors played, it started to thunder and lightning. So that kind of set the foundation. So, of course, there was the Smiths. 
also like all the hair bands. I have to admit, I got I got a little. I may or may not have stayed in a relationship just so I could go see um, Skid Row. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I was really into all the Alterna stuff, but and really highly influenced by the SoCal um, punk scene. So Pennywise. Social D. Bad religion. No doubt. You're heading into a completely new direction. Yes, I am having trouble making the adaptation. Those, those all really sort of felt like my every... That was like my everyday peeps. I mean, not like we were hanging out, but that was just so ingrained in me. And I felt like that laid a foundation and the very zeitgeist of how that music came up, which was very, this was pre-social media, so the people were like handing out cassettes and passing out flyers. And I feel like that's translated into my life as an independent contractor and as a designer and as a broadcaster now in the age of new media, because I know how to hustle. And I feel like I learned it from those musicians. Yeah, I mean, so at that time, I mean, there was a lot of music happening, but you were attracted to this like alternative kind of music. I mean, do you, can you identify why it was that music that you were into as opposed to like, I mean, because there was a lot of good hip hop going on. There was quite a bit of hair metal, but I think we're going to focus more on <laughs> alternative. And, and it was actually Bon Jovi. Skid Row just opened up for it, but I'll let it go. And I agree with your focus. <laughs> I think that the punk rock um, sort of message just resonated with me. Um that's really the only reason. And it sounds like, too, I mean, the other side of it was people were doing things by themselves, making things happen mm -hmm. and not waiting, you know, for like a huge record contract necessarily. Was the DIY scene, was that something that you got into at that age, too? Um, I mean, DIY, as far as being like poor and needing to make things yourself, <laughs> absolutely. I was mostly raised by a single mom, you know, I'm like 100 percent like crafting and making things since I was old enough to hold a glue stick in my hand, you know. So absolutely in that sense, the, my, the beginning of my career life, I had like pro I had proper jobs. I got my first job in television at 19 um, for this teenage oriented traveling talk show. It's a lot to say. And it's also one of the many reasons it didn't work out. <laughs> um, and so. There was a little hustle because you're still independent, and it was back in the day when you had to like, you know, you had to fax your resume to Jodie Foster's, you know, film company or Chris Columbus's company, um, John Hughes' company. Like, but it was a little bit more of a through line. It wasn't until um, the internet started becoming a thing that I really like full fledged made the connection of. And a lot of that had to do with when I moved to Austin and I cooked up with a group um, that no longer exists called the Austin Craft Mafia, where I really got like, oh, that's the connection. Was it like a, a thing that you guys talked about? Like, hey, guys, let's like make our own space and do this ourselves. Or was it something that just kind of organically 
happened? Well, I have to give props. So I had started an online business. And when I say business, like there are not a big enough quotation marks for me to use around that because this is pre-Etsy. This is pre-blogs even. Um, there were, without exaggeration, there were only 10 craft websites on the interwebs. Um, and so it was it was a completely different world. And so I started one. I'd left the entertainment industry. I got laid off when I was pregnant with my first child in, in the entertainment industry. If you're not willing to give birth on your lunch hour, they're not they're not interested. Um, and, you know, and so I started this just to feed my own creative soul. And that's how I hooked up with um, Jennifer Perkins. She was then of Naughty Secretary Club. Uh, Jenny Hart from Sublime Stitching. There's a whole list of, of you know, amazing women. Tina Sparkles. Um, there were there were ten of us and. Because some of the women in the group were actually musicians, I think they had it embedded. Um, some of them had had zines growing up. So that was, a, you know, I had my own thing, like, you know, my own scrappiness. And I think it was just one of those things where, you know, this collective came together and it just it just made sense to then it was sharing links and sticking stickers in each other's orders. But it just sort of made sense to, it's kind of like the the stronger together mentality. Those same things that my friends that were struggling to be actors and wanted you to come to their play that nobody wanted to go to or come to see, or the same four people that you want to come see your garage band, those same tactics work for any career. And now we're doing the exact same thing. So those of us that grew up in that time have kind of a huge benefit. We just have to apply it to Instagram. It's what you do with it. It's what you waited for. That when you find it, a place where no one has been before. So you talked about this, uh, this DIY spirit that you tapped into in those early days of Austin Craft Mafia. And now you're totally doing another like a huge DIY endeavor which is your Kickstarter campaign for this knitting show that you want to produce. Yeah. Yeah, so back in the in the beginning days of Austin Craft Mafia and I had these businesses up I had moved from LA like just kind of resigned like okay, I have kids now, I'm leaving the entertainment industry. We can have a better life in Austin for them. And I I had started a couple stitch and bitch groups, one in Austin and one in in LA and I a producer literally googled young hip knitter and found my business and she said to me do you dear sir, sir or madam <laughs> do you know anybody who'd be interested in hosting a knitting show for the DIY network and I about like fell off my own bare feet like it was crazy and I just happened because I knew how to pitch myself from working in television for years before that and and I just happened to have my very first project which was a guitar strap um, design project up on this website called Nitty I could pitch myself so to make a very long story short, I got the gig as the host of a show for DIY Network and HGTV called Nitty Gritty. And um, it sort of reignited my career in broadcast, which was my true first love, um, but supplemented by my second true love, which is crafting and, and knitting. Along the way, I'd learned how to knit, and I just it just felt like home to me. So years later, I you know I've worked on many, many projects, and I still, on a daily basis, get people wanting that bit of community that came from that show. But we're at a different place on broadcast now. 
We really are. Like reality programming is what sells on the networks. And the live streaming like biggies, they want to win Golden Globe Awards and Oscars. So there's not necessarily a place for how-to niche programming. And I want to do it. I want to DIY it. And I want to give the community what they want, you know. And so we've launched the Knit Show with Vicki Howell Kickstarter campaign. I teamed up with a local production company, Production 4. And we are uh, we're trying to do it our dang selves. And how does it feel? I mean, are you using those same kind of like techniques that you saw bands use in Southern California that you used with Craft craft Mafia? So much. So much so. Every time I'm like hyper-focused, I'm trying to tackle different audiences in different ways. You know, I'm doing, I did the like legit video, but then we put a spoof, a flash dance spoof up that we shot at the Long Center here in Austin, which is hilarious and also humiliating. (laughs) Um, And we have another one that's interpretive dance. We haven't launched, we, we haven't launched yet. We'll probably launch it by the time this this airs, we'll see. We're about to shoot a, a Stranger Things spoof, and there's a local um, musician. His name is Marty Lester, and he is the producer at Everywhere Audio, and he does a lot of Richard Linklater movies. He's going to do some um, some of the same kind of music that's used, you know, like the very like Tangerine Dream esque kind of music for that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really important to me to bring those sort of like musical ties because even even if we we couldn't afford to get Maniac for that spoof, right. but we got something that sounded to it because all that people need is that nostalgic memory. They just need they need the sense memory of how they felt when they were the fifteen year old you know dancing to that or how they felt last week then when they watched Stranger Things and they felt that part of themselves come alive again. And for me, music lays the foundation for those feelings. I'm I'm the girl, I'm the woman that that has been carrying around like a Fender P bass for like 25 years and can't play a note. Well, I can play like three notes because um, I a local musician here I took lessons from. His name is Jonas Wilson. And did you say his name Jonas, Jonas Wilson? Does he, he he plays in Midnight Stroll with Aaron Barons from Ghostland Observatory. didn't know that. No, it's funny. It's, first of all, you talking about having that bass sitting there and like never using it. Like I have like a crochet hook that yes! my aunt gave me, <laughs> but it like literally it's like it sits there and it, it's so pretty and shiny. And I thought I've you done, were like, going to guilt me. Thing. Okay. No, but then, and it, but I, but it's like, I, you know, it, I have the same relationship where I'm like one day. I am definitely going to learn how to crochet, and it's going to be awesome. I feel like you and I could do like a Skillshare thing. Like we could we could make those dreams happen for I each other. I think we could totally do that. We could totally start a band slash knitting circle. Um, Done. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> and our merch is actually stuff that we knit before and after practice. Obs. That would be amazing. I really feel like creative communities are tied and it doesn't matter if you're if you're rocking a guitar or rocking a set of needles like you're expressing yourself and I also think we all kind of have each other's backs. Clearly as you're illustrating by <laughs> by letting me be on a music podcast. Well, I really do think it is it is all kind of the same thing. Um for me there's a thing that happens when music is really good and I am just assuming that it happens in knitting. Maybe I'm wrong. But for me, there's a thing that happens when music is really good, when all of a sudden you like tap into the flow or you get this glimpse of like something bigger than you and you lose like a sense of yourself as like an individual being and it just time 
lose like you lose a sense of time. Yeah, you know, there's actually a huge initiative by the Craft Yarn Council right now that's um, really focused on mental mental health and stress relief, and I totally get the flow and the vibe that you're talking about. But I, and, and I think I think to a certain extent that does occur in crafting and knitting, but. I think there's also sort of a meditative quality when you can sort of like knit one, purl two, knit one, purl two. And it kind of steps you away to to open up those channels in your brain to let other sort of creative you know, pieces come in. And I also have found that especially during these sort of like unsettling times that we're that we're living in politically right now, a lot of people just sort of need the proverbial um, security blanket and they need to knit it themselves. And when I say that, I just mean they, they want to produce something that they can hold and put out into the world. And maybe it's a gift or maybe it's for a cause. Maybe you're knitting chemo caps or, you know, blankets for um, newborns. Who knows? Or pussycat hats. Or pussycat hats. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I just recently interest, uh, interviewed Kat Coyle, um, who also is a Kickstarter campaign backer. Thank you, Kat. Um, Kat Coyle, the designer of the pussy hat for for um, you know my own podcast, Craftish, and I just I really feel like that, regardless if you agreed with the um, the philosophy behind that campaign, to show the power. I mean, that hat was on the cover of Time Magazine. To show the power of making something, and conversely, there were yarn store store owners that boycotted anybody that wanted to buy pink yarn for that purpose. The, my point is, is there's power in those tools, and there's something there that we can utilize it for better or worse. Right on. Are you going to have musicians on your show, how, showing them how to like um, me, showing me how to knit? Well, to we'll have it? we'll have in studio knitters um, that kind of sit in part of audience members, and then you know, like my friend Kelly Deal from the Breeders, she was a guest on Nitty Gritty, and I would love to get her back out here she's a big knitter like she'll perform on stage in germany and people throw yarn balls up there she's really written a, she's written a knitting book like she's legit Whoa. So, um so yeah i would love that i would love that i would love to hear her philosophies on music and knitting i'm sure she's got some ideas yeah let's ask let's her connected let's all let's ask her <laughs> so from diy kid to diy adult making your own show i mean that's cool man Thanks. We just we gotta we gotta DIY our our dreams, you know. Yeah, and it's nice that we can, you know, like we can. Yeah, we are the architects of our own glass ceilings. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you need to knit that onto a t-shirt, a knitted t-shirt. <laughs> See what I mean? Vicki Howell is rad! And you really should check out these videos she's been making to promote the Kickstarter campaign for the Knit Show with Vicki Howell. Like, the Flashdance one is amazing, and her riffs on Stranger Things are incredible. And like I said, I'll post a link to her Kickstarter campaign in the show notes so you can see those videos and check out the rewards and, hey, maybe become a backer. Like, I'm a backer. Vicky's also created a sweater-based Spotify playlist, and I will post that on the show notes for this episode, as well as the playlist for all the songs we referenced in this episode. Stay tuned for the knitting band that Vicky and I will someday start. Oh yes, this will happen. If you liked 
Vicky's story, then I bet you'll like other episodes of this song with artists talking about life-changing musical experiences. Like, we've talked to folks like Tegan and Sarah and Andrew Bird. Our last episode featured Britt Daniel and Alex Fischel from Spoon. We actually have over 75 episodes to choose from, and you can find them on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there perusing our archive, we would really love it if you left a rating or a review because ratings and reviews help people find us. And that's what we want for more people to hear these stories. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from David Sanger, Kelly Seal, and Natalie Goanna. The interview was recorded by me, Elizabeth McQueen. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account and does a great job. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Natalie Goanna is our marketing intern. And thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. Yes. It's true. Our theme song is Mahout or Mahout or Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.